Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing Promising Young Woman, directed by Emerald Fennel. Newly released, No Sudden Moves by Steven Sodenberg. Prisoners of the Ghostland by Sion Sono. The Sparks Brothers by Edgar Wright. And Annette, directed by Leos Carex. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Vincent Daly, how we going, buddy? Tell me, boy, how we doing? Uh, it's going pretty well. How was your week of movies, man? A uh, week was good. Uh, I got to see a surprising amount of new releases, uh, as, of course, you heard uh, in that wonderful intro. Can we get a round of applause at home for those hard director names that Tom wonderfully uh, went through? I think I did a very good job <laughs> on I will take. I will take it, though. <laughs> you absolutely. You're well-deserved. Uh, but good, so you had a good week, and a lot of newly released movies. Only, yeah. only one older film, and even the, the older film was a 2020 release, right? Yeah, I was happy to to watch so many, so many new releases, because I feel, especially for 2020, it was a year that a lot of people missed those films, so. Yeah, and it was a weird, yeah, it was a very weird year for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get started with that one released in 2020 right away, with Promising Young Woman, directed by Emerald Fennell. Promising Young Woman, uh, a very, very... Odd mix of a film. This, of course, uh, th- this film may have landed on your radar, obviously, for some of its Oscar buzz. It won an Oscar for uh, its original screenplay. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Picture in the uh, year that uh, Nomadland won the Oscar for Best Picture. It is, in a nutshell, a revenge thriller. Uh, and I would really challenge anyone taking a look at this film, if you do decide to watch it, to ask yourself, is this an Oscar film? Is this something that should be highlighted in a way that uh, is deserved of uh, the the level of praise that the Oscars brings? Uh, I think it has some originality to it, but it really does boil down to a revenge thriller plot uh, that gets muddied and muddied as the film goes on. As you on. were watching it, with the entire time you were like, "This was an Oscar." Absolutely. Was, where is the uh, where's where? where? Absolutely. I, w- I would challenge anyone watching this film to ask themselves the same thing. Uh, it's it's stylized. It has what was it? it some was, and for it was and for best picture, best picture, and then it won uh, best original sp- screenplay. Which, really? You know, hey, uh, it, uh, the screenplay I'm, was also done by Emerald Pennell as well. Yes, yes, and I believe it's uh, her directorial debut, except for maybe one short. Uh, I I have not seen that. This was my first uh, seeing her, and and I believe she's an actress as well. So, uh, it I listen. And I am fine supporting new creative ways to go about a story. Um, so I'm not going to rob them of this this uh, this win of the Oscar for original screenplay. But again, uh, leading off of this, 
I would challenge anyone uh, and challenging the hype around this film, especially online from some of our competitors. Right, uh, right, right. <laughs> uh, of of really where this film sits. Uh, so where was? Do you know where that was coming from? I think. Like, it, was it the actress driven? Was it the fact that it was like? Were they really trying to promote this um, female director for whatever reason? Like, uh, where was the hype coming from? Or did people fem- actually think it was a good movie? Uh, it's a female director. It's a very female story. So I think the Oscars kind of walking on eggshells probably wanted to put the nod towards it. Right. That way. Okay. Okay. I, and it is original in areas. Uh, I don't think when I call this a revenge thriller, uh, probably a lot of things can come to mind for folks at home for that. But that really is the structure. Uh, of of the first, you know, maybe backbone of the movie, it separates in multiple areas and does some genre balancing that in no way does this come close to how good that movie is, but like a parasite would do that it this film is many things. It is not just one thing. Is that when you say uh, it muddied and kept on muddying itself? Or- exactly. Okay, okay. Uh, good stakes, uh, it, it, it soils itself, though, and it soils itself with heavy romance and heavy comedy that take away, I believe, from even the emotional punch that the director was trying to get across with this thriller. You know, it is gripping it, in a lot of ways. It shot itself in the foot a little bit. Absolutely. We're trying Absolutely. to be, uh, what, what did you say? Too much comedy too and much too much rom- romance. Yeah, romance. I mean, this this has a almost a one eighty turn into a a romance film. Which I'm not. Again, I'm not saying that a film can't do multiple things. Uh, certainly, genre balancing has become a trend now in Oscar type movies and Oscar bait. Keyword uh, balancing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I think. What what's the shame about it is the romance side of this film is very enjoyable, but it distracts so intensely from a very intense plot, especially if you're engaged into the subject matter of what Emerald is is, is trying to write and direct here. Uh, it is emotionally intensive, uh, and you want to see that uh, developed. It just takes away from it, and and it creates a a, a tough tough thing to pay attention to mm. because I did not know where the film was going with this. Let's talk about the revenge side a little bit. Sure, yeah. Revenge thriller side, uh, Carrie Mulligan is our main lead here. Uh, very simply, uh, though she sells the emotional side of what the subject matter is on what the film is about, uh, she is not menacing in the slightest. And time after time, this film puts that character in situations where she's supposed to be badass, she's supposed to be menacing, and it's not necessarily knocking... Her performance, Gary Mulligan's performance specifically, it's just that I think the way the character was written. It's way the character's written, and maybe two to tango. It's a little bit of a her performance as well. It's just not menacing. I do not feel wow, she's in charge of these situations or anything like that. Hmm, Okay, and it's a shame because I think if there's anything that falls through on the thriller side of this movie alone. With honestly a, a pretty good plot and 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 again, like I said before, a very strong emotional beats, it falls through in that performance and it falls through in that screen presence of that character. On the other side mm. of the coin, we have the comedic and romantic elements. Supporting cast is pretty solid. We have Bo Burnham uh, having a very large role in this, and he's very entertaining on screen. I think the comedy works, and certainly for a rom-com, oh. it's where it gets wrapped up in this thriller is where <laughs> it loses it. It makes it feel that, uh, for me, I think I, I actually lean towards liking the romantic aspects of this film more 
and it made the thriller seem cheaper. I would imagine it's just the same if you like the thriller aspects of this more. If anything, all the more, the romantic aspects are going to make it cheaper. And it, it just... So what is the movie trying to be mostly? Is it trying to really be that thriller drama? Yes. 100%. Okay, so even though they're relying heavy on the romantic comedy stuff or whatever like that, it, it that's not what it's supposed to actually be in the end. Yeah, it's almost like a it's almost like a pit stop that happens in the middle of the film that they take a break from it. But what I think is done as a result of that is we lose some of the emotional through line to why our character is on this revenge plot. Uh, yeah, you have to keep things high emotion and, mm-hmm. and tense, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that would be the point of it. Exactly. I, I, I um, Reluctantly using this analogy because I've mentioned John Wick now multiple weeks in a row and, you know, it's it's not like a Holy Grail film, but do we see Keanu stop getting pissed about the dog halfway through? No. Uh, it's There mm-hmm. is a distraction that happens in our character that kind compounds with the weak menacing performance okay that's yeah that's a great uh comparison then yeah to kind of wrap your head around it that's yeah. true yeah but and, and yeah, listen uh john wick's a, a decent film it's not you know a, yeah, again, where a comparison uh, works compared, exactly compared. i'm sure i think a lot of our listeners also know john wick too so. yeah exactly it's, a safe bet. it's it's kind of uh, become too <laughs> too large for itself so and yeah i i think there's some originality in that balancing and and again i'm not trying to really rain on the parade of an Oscar winner. Uh, certainly congratulations to Emerald and her team for, for getting that win for a screenplay. I just think, uh, again, I challenge anyone to watch this film and say, this is an Oscar movie. It is a creative fil- thriller at best. It is schlocky. Uh, the look of the film feels campy, it, it, but it, it Again, it it's it distracts from itself and almost can't decide what it wants to be. And I think again, it's, it's that's unbalanced. A f- it's an yeah. unbalanced film. It's what it sounds like. And it, and it fails in that is a result that makes it fail in a way that unfortunately, uh, again for me, distracts from what the film's main pitch is. Is a thriller. If it's failing in the main pitch, then maybe maybe this needs to be kind of restructured a little bit. Uh, you know, more more than anything, allow me to say, who really cares about the Oscars? Who really cares about the Oscars 2020, no less? I certainly, yeah. <laughs> you know me. I don't, I'm not a fan of the Oscars whatsoever. Right. And it was pretty much, I more so disagree than I do agree. Yeah, yeah. I wrote it off, com- I would say I wrote them off completely mm-hmm. and like truly stopped caring and paying attention when Spotlight won. Mm-hmm. And the re- I mean, you could have given it to anybody else. Someone's in that category would have been fine. But like, The Revenant should have won. Absolutely. And I know I'm being like, that's one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. The Revenant should have won. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the uh... certainly not Spotlight. <laughs> certainly not Spotlight. <laughs> that's when I was like, oh, I don't need you anymore in my life, Oscars. Right. right. And I feel but like a lot of people of... get to that point. You know, Oscar snubs is a is a phrase in itself. You sure, know but still. <laughs> Typically saying, like, would you say, like, I'm sure Spotlight is a better movie than that. Like, I can understand why Spotlight at least was in the category Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where this one you were searching the whole time. You're scratching your head over. It's scratching the whole time. And and also even if uh, I fall into a, a category that really in love with this film because again it got, it got a lot of a, a fanfare online uh, our competitors are, are very highly remo- reviewing this film so that that again for me was something that I was looking at and I was like I, I need to create 
that type of ratings guide for this uh, to to clean up the confusion uh, of whether this film is worth your time. And I, I even if you boil it down positively to its elevator pitch, it is a tame revenge slasher movie with a message. Uh, does that sound like a groundbreaking film? I don't think so. No, uh, and, and, the, I would say and honestly, result, it's not either. And funny thing you say that is I don't need a groundbreaking film to be amazing you can have the most simple film look at Whiplash yeah but that was done phenomenally, mm-hmm. and this just doesn't sound like it's quite there. Yeah, uh, uh, and and I would say the, probably the biggest shame of it is that there is good in both sides of the execution of the genres that the film tries to juggle, or maybe the three genres uh, that the film tries to juggle, uh, but uh, really, really in that juggling act falls short, and unfortunately it kind of is just a, a mediocre film as a result. Okay. Then. Other than that... Nothing really much more to say. Uh, again, I think in revi- uh, re- revisiting this, uh, especially as former Oscar nominees, I think that's important because, especially for some folks at home, I know I include myself in this camp, I like to revisit films that I may not have seen of previous years that got Oscar nominations as some of my compass in navigating some older films. Uh, for 2020, with not a lot of you seeing films out there, or if you fall into that camp, this would be something that might be on your radar because it not only was nominated in multiple categories, but got a win as well. I think for me, though, it does not come above a below-average experience. We're going to go ahead, with that said, and give Promising Young Woman a 41. Wow, okay, yeah. And some of the, uh, like I said, some of the fanfare online for this, I think I think it's it, there, there's a conversation to be had about almost like a market pressure, kind of a mob mentality of when something is said to be good, people really latch on to that. Mm. Uh, but, you know, a conversation for another time. Yeah, and it's one thing, you know, it, yeah, I mean, 41, that does not sound way, worth the time at all and really yeah. shouldn't be in the Oscars. Yeah. Because you could fight it where it's just like, okay, well, if in the 60s, okay, I could see how some people might like that right. more than you or something like right. that. But, um, okay, 41%, mm-hmm. not worth your time. Not Yeah, it, below average at best. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, below average at best. You know, it's funny, we talked about before, where when, you, when you're around the 50s mark, mm-hmm. it's it, it almost is like when you're somewhere around like kind of 40s and a little bit lower 60s, but certainly in the 50s, mm-hmm. it's... There's something very disappointing about a film because it's not even so bad you can enjoy in a bad way or laugh sure. at it how bad it is. It's just like, right. ugh. Because typically with these movies that are in the 40s or 50s, there's potential and it's blown in some sort of way. Right. Where with here it sounds like it wasn't balanced. It's just it didn't get the balance properly of what it was trying to be. Yeah. I, I, and I think had that they, she nailed it, could have been a different story. I think so, yeah. And and maybe fans of Bo Burnham, maybe fans of uh, of, of the Bane actress, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that... that that can that can be a draw there, but yeah, for me it was just it, it, I, I totally agree with what you said. It, it's almost a shame when something is middle of the road because there is a disappointment factor. Yeah, uh, it's easier to really rip into a movie or really praise a movie. It's these middle ones that are you know disappointing. Yeah, it could be almost that could be the most of a slog. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. well, something's bad, it could be so enjoyable to watch. Something <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Terrible. But um, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I think that's a perfect transition uh, into. Uh, into our producer segment, <laughs> <laughs> we only have yes, we, we only have one. Uh, we'll start there. Yeah, yeah, it's a heavy, heavy new. new it's a heavy segment. new release. So as people know, we're going to do a producer segment before we hit the new releases, and this is a segment where we want to thank you, and we want to just remind everybody. Uh, Vin and I 
pretty much, you know, we really want to make this work within our own family, like a daily ratings family, make mm-hmm. our little tribe here. And we want to be supported among the producers. You know, we don't look at you as listeners. We look at you as producers of this podcast. Vin and I, you know, I come in, make sure the mics are turned on. Vin does his thing. He watches the movies. We're hosts of this podcast. You all are the producers of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And this takes a relatively amount of time for us to do and it does take a little bit of money so anything you guys could give back to us donate to us uh we just greatly greatly appreciate it you can go to the dailyratings.com go to the donations tab uh and give a value for value model donation whatever value you feel that you received from us go ahead and give a donation if you just you know we also have payment plans we have monthly subscriptions uh, other kind of fun little uh one-time donations you can do that have some meaning to them uh, kind of surrounded out about films and the daily ratings and everything like that again uh, any little thing that you could do for us or send us to our way greatly greatly appreciate it and we want to thank you producers so so much now with that said mm. Now we can go ahead and get started with the star-studded film of No Set of Moves. No Set of Moves, man, uh, I was really, honestly, middle of the road uh, on looking at this film. This was something that I came across on HBO Max and didn't realize how recently it was released. This is a spiraling heist movie, and I really want to stress... Not even in theaters, correct? I don't think so. I, I think it was just straight HBO Max. Yeah, which is, I, I guess they need that type of content much like uh, Netflix would have content, but uh, it was surprising because... Well, with the amount of stars in it. Amount of stars? You know? uh, I, I was curious, especially with the director. I mean... He, yeah, Steven Soderbergh, huge. He's produced things after Logan Lucky, but to go for something this... I don't know. There, there really is a huge ensemble cast, and it's an ensemble story as well. We're we're shining a spotlight yeah. on multiple people, though the poster of this film is going to be focused uh, around Don Cheadle uh, and... Del Toro. Del Toro, thank yeah. you. It is going to be plainly a ensemble type story that we are shining a spotlight on many many different actors some of that some of that acting cast is very exciting to see uh we finally thinking about we're thinking about the same person we are finally <laughs> seeing the return of mr mummy himself yes good i'm glad you said it yeah. brendan frazier <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, but like just just seen. He's great in it too. Oh, fantastic! Good, great. Um, I I waited. I waited to hear that. I didn't ask mm. you before we record or anything like that. I just wanted him. I don't care if the movie sucks. I want Brendan Fraser to be good. Yeah, for Brendan Fraser's sake. Absolutely. (laughs) It it maybe is a little jarring in that he kind of has more of a side role, and you're like, wow, that's a little odd uh, to see him maybe in a in in, in such a secondary role. But it's amazing to see him in a role. Period. uh, Very true. Very true. He does a great <laughs> job, though, and, and honestly, everyone does a great job in this movie. Oh, uh, I, I love across the board all these characters, and, and again, just to just to return to the kind of the elevator pitch of this spiraling is the is. The word uh, I want to use to describe this, uh, you know, our director here, uh, Steven Soderbergh, we have him obviously directing all the original, or, or I'm sorry, the 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 new line of of, of ocean movies, right, eleven uh, through thirteen. Yeah, and I think he honestly kind of holds that crown because who honestly thinks of the original ocean movies? I don't know. I mean. I think everyone uh, thinks now those those that, that kind of when you say the book. Yeah, when you say Ocean's Eleven, you're thinking 
um, the one George that, Clooney. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah, You're yeah. not thinking the Rat Pack. Exactly. exactly. But it was a big movie when it came out. Mm, true. True. Uh, Logan Lucky was the most recent thing that I saw from him, and he takes the energy in those films and translate that into a. Uh, a great uh, criminal heist movie, and and again, uh, not to not to over overstate it, but spiraling is is the word I want to use because it really does relate to the very unpredictable nature uh, of this film. This is a twist and turns. There's a lot here that we, when you're watching the film, there is so much that you're expecting the film to go in a way just because you expect it to go in that way. And it takes that and throws it out the door, but then layers more twists and turns on top. I think, for me, that was so exciting to watch because it was a little bit of whiplash in in following along with the movie and almost... Uh, moment after moment, uh, something new and something uh, something unexpected is being developed with this ensemble cast. They're giving it time to, to shine on screen, but also plot relevance. It is a, an exciting movie for that reason, and I really uh, want to come in this with a strong recommendation for that because I have a predisposition for heist movies. Sure. I like oh, uh, crime movies, uh, but how unique and how much care is put into subverting expectations in this film uh, is, is, again, where it comes in at a very positive rating for me. How was the... Uh, so I'm only going off of... I just know about the movie and watched the trailer a handful of times didn't mm-hmm. see it. I feel like there's so much emphasis on, on the big actors in the film, and I'm wondering, it's just it's, it's, it's shorter than I thought. It's just under two hours. Mm-hmm. Is there... What is the pacing of the film? Is uh, it quick? Is there like are you getting enough time with your characters? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Pacing's pretty quick. Uh, I will say that. Okay. Uh, but it's it's pacing in a way that keeps you unpacking why this ensemble cast matters, why this type of storytelling that everyone's getting a little bit of spotlight, and Sodem- why it matters to the greater plot. And Sodenberg gives them purpose. Absolutely. Good. Almost no one is left unused, which was really impressive. Oh, good, yeah. Because yeah. it's not a movie with big uh, star-studded cast mm-hmm. just to have star-studded cast. Exactly. That's exactly. awesome. That's yeah. really cool. This wasn't like a, a tax break movie or, or as as is kind of you know, yeah, thrown at like movies. Or even like the Expendables. Oh, oh, the ex- <laughs> yeah, definitely not in that camp <laughs> definitely not uh as far as uh, the look of this film I, I do have to make note that there is a lot of interesting cinematography uh i had to look into this because i'm definitely not a expert of lenses and cameras apparently they're using a a, a very intense approach to the type of camera they're using it's a little bit hit or miss basically to give you uh, uh, an idea of this at home folks what that looks like is you have almost like a fisheye look to every scene. And when they are in interiors, it looks fantastic because you get a lot of a lot of visibility to who's in the room and acting and their their, their performances, which there's not, you know, a huge amount of cuts to the actual pacing of the of the edit, which is great. Where it's a little jarring and where I think it's a miss is that in exterior scenes and establishing shots this fisheye type of look to the film is is jarring. Uh, I thought something was wrong with my TV. For it was a actually throwing you off a little bit. Yeah, because it sounds like you did the lens research after you watched it. I, I had you to. You knew something was off. Yeah, I had to because it was it, it really jarring is the word because. Uh, 
anyone's got to look at this and say, "Wow, what? Why is it looked like wow, that? That big, um, that, that big of a thing? Yeah, huh? it, it creates a, a hyper uh, compression on the sides of the of the frame that moves very quickly, and you notice that because when it is in a wider shot, you'll have cars almost zipping across the screen as they get closer because it's 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 kind of compressing it. It's getting this bubble. Look getting like to this, it. yeah, the weird almost like Doppler effect of yeah. of motion and coming and going of things. Absolutely interesting. I wouldn't dive into such a specific point if it wasn't in the research that I found. This was intentional. Uh, it was an intentional way that the cinematographer found was an interesting way to shoot the film, and they leaned into it. I think it works sometimes. It works for the performances, luckily, which is what this film is about. Uh, it is, however, a little bit rough when it goes into those establishing shots, and also some very creative angles. This film does not abide by a standard level, you know, not uh, kind of any kind of formal rules uh, of how this film is shot. We are Dutch angles thrown in there, diagonal type of views uh, in addition to this very odd lens not overdone though is it not overdone they were just trying to do something new with it I think Uh, it could come off of cheesy and just like you guys are trying way too hard you didn't get that sense I I don't think I I got a point where it was trying too hard I think just sometimes it works and sometimes it really doesn't okay gotcha Uh, which is which is a little bit of a shame but something to note because I think anyone that kind of pays attention to how scenes are being portrayed and how they're layered in it's going to be something that you notice and I think it's going to be something that made me question why let's go back to that original Mm -hmm. question why was this a direct home release where if they're using this intensive red camera could have been incredible to see in theaters yeah yeah, like an IMAXing maybe was meant for that in some way. Uh, larger screen to uh, not make it so immerse yourself, drastic. Immerse yourself in the scene, too, with yeah, the fisheye. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? It, it made me question it a little bit, but uh, overall, again, Yeah, I'm sure miss. there's a lot of content. I'm sure Steven Soderbergh has talked a lot about it, you know, and his, his uh, you know, creative choices on that and everything mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. it's almost good going into it not knowing any of that. We're doing any any pre research on his style of camera work because mm-hmm. the important thing is just like how does it actually come out on exactly film in a reaction and it to clearly that. took you out of it a bit like, I, I like think when so. you wanted to be probably paying attention to the story of the film yeah and and you and, were now thinking of what the hell is going on with your TV <laughs> exactly I think that's a perfect example too don't get me wrong I'm going into these films even with criticism I'm not you know looking to really chop up what's happening on what type of camera they're using and what was the the cinematographer's uh, approach to this sure so, you know I think that's that's way too deep to for for our our goal of this being a ratings guide and 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 you know a yeah, quick quick review and not trying to di- dissect yeah. a film pre post yeah, but it, it, like it forced me to look at. Yeah, that's, this that's very interesting. <laughs> so, uh, I would say other things that maybe uh, take away from a film I am extremely positive on. Uh, don't let me kind of too uh, too much spotlight these negatives because uh, I'm really going in hot with this film. Uh, action is a bit cheap. Uh, hits don't feel great. That includes kind of both punches and gunshots. Uh, I don't know if it was just sound design. I don't know if it was just. Uh, really maybe a quick editing yeah it, it it honestly for me it felt like uh the irishman obviously scorsese's recent recent release you have martin scorsese uh you have uh robert de niro 
kicking someone on the side and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. Uh, There's something about it. A lot of people have problem with that scene, yeah. Yeah. The VFX, or, or, or I'm sorry, the uh, maybe the sound effects, uh, a little bit, again, it, it, I looked at it and I said, why, especially with this film, especially with this much of accomplished director, why is it... Not, Something's not, off. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, uh, I would never. Ex- yeah, it's interesting. I would never expect these negatives. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, again, these are maybe even I would call them a little bit nitpicks. Uh, they were things that take me out of the film. Uh, luckily, they don't distract from a a magical, uh, magical performance within the cast that they are almost expertly playing with the. The, the relationship, the criminal type of subterfuge, uh, the I'm smarter than you and I'm up on you. Uh, there is there is such a dance that this movie uh, uncovers, which is uh, a oh, delight to see. Oh, I uh, bet. I bet, yeah. Uh, and that's I, what you want to see when you see this cast. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you want to see them playing off of each other really, really well. Exactly. And maybe to Sodenberg's credit, too, this could be, I mean, he's done three Oceans movies, mm-hmm. all big casts, mm-hmm. and you got to make that movie and like have a part for each character i mean this is right up his alley really yeah i i think the oceans movies that's definitely gonna be something that we have to revisit uh this this film kind of opened my eyes a little bit to to take a look at the big oceans 11 family absolutely yeah Yeah. so maybe that'll be a special uh down the road or uh we can we can kind of unpack (laughs) that in some sort of way but but bottom line he knows how to deal with many actors yes uh and i think he has a resume uh, to do so sure Uh, and and clearly this is a result in a very positive Positive way that he achieves that balancing act very easily, uh, which is great to see. Cool. You know, it, it would be one thing if we have good performances. It, it is well rooted in criminal plotting. Uh, plotting is actually the word I want to use there uh, because the twists and turns of this, uh, the 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 good spotlight that every character gets is only there because they all have something to add to the overall criminal plot, and they all have a little bit moment that they can be cool and then can be you know smarter than the other one, and that is just so exciting to see because when you see someone get a little bit of screen time you're wondering why am I watching this and then having them add to that plot so exciting uh, it oh, is oh that's really good to hear yeah. really good to hear I think uh, honestly if anything what does this film uh, a lack of justice is the is the trailer uh, I, I think this film is much more than what it lets on to it be boring yeah it honestly looked like it was going to be yeah. a very boring film not to mention I, after I watched the trailer twice I then watched it with somebody they, they had made the same comment that I was thinking which mm-hmm. is it feels like the trailer just gave away the entire movie <laughs> right. which is a huge problem with trailers these days mm-hmm. not the case not the case uh, and I would say in a little bit of give and take the twists and turns that I'm saying uh, that this film and the plot has and, and that almost every character has a has a chip at you know they all, they all have a shot at, at how they're uh, they're implementing this film or how they're um, affecting the film's plot. Uh, there are twists and turns almost needlessly. Uh, there, it's excessive. Uh, I think that is good and bad. For me, I felt some were unnecessary, but of course, without going into spoilers, I don't want to dive too much into that. The good news is to to your point. We don't have that film giving away every punch, uh, or every, that trailer giving yeah, yeah, away yeah, every yeah. punch. Good, so. good, good. But uh, really, a great time. I was so excited to have my expectations of what I thought probably to be a middle of the road film have 
mean not enjoy the actors and the plot so much but really dive into also the production of this film i think this hits on everything i want out of something that you should be making time to see uh especially if this didn't have a theater release uh and you know i i think especially with how large the cast is there's a lot there that people can dive into and wait for when their favorite actor or actress is on screen to really enjoy the time that they have and the effect that they have in this uh, spiraling uh, heist plot. So we're going to give No Sudden Move a 79. 79. So it doesn't quite crack the 80. I don't think it cracks the 80 just because, again, there's those, those nitpicks, unfortunately, I think... It, they take it down a bit. It, it takes it down. 79 is a very good score. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't, like, now I can't... I didn't care to see the movie mm-hmm. at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Totally changed me on this one, though. Yeah. Time. It, it, worth your time, and uh, uh, again, a really, really great movie. Solid stuff. Oh, that's so great to hear. Let's keep it going. We'll see how it goes from here. Uh, we'll do Prisoners of the Ghostland. <laughs> what a. <laughs> Directed by C and Sono. What a transition. This movie, is, folks, this movie's insane. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm going to say right now, this is plainly, chiefly, in the so bad it's good category and okay kind of pushes my ranking uh and my rating type of logic to to the criticism and and, and what this ratings show is about uh, very difficultly it pushes it in a, in, a, in a tough area because i have to think is this film worth your time on it being a very bad film by a lot of uh, by <laughs> many standards many many different ways <laughs> this film is a mess this film is ridiculous uh nonsensical uh but i think in the end product it, it lands somewhere so we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, in in just a moment about where we put that rating but uh this is the most wild movie i've seen in years my best description for it in how the visuals are layered in how the acting is and how the script is, it really feels like a live action anime. Uh, it is insane. Wow! Um, in a really bad way, though. Uh, for all the good and all the bad. Oh. Uh, for all <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, I I I, I love a lot of uh, a lot of anime, especially uh, just uh, just plain theatrical releases. They're you know it, it feels like the writing of a, of a cheap 90s anime it is it, it's tough uh, in in a lot of areas <laughs> and that's why it's plainly in this so good it's bad i don't i almost don't want to describe anything about it because it's such a roller coaster ride of when you watch this film you're paying attention to it you're maybe looking for something deeper i encourage anyone that gives this film a shot to abandon any any, any thought hope. any <laughs> hope that there's a deeper plot or there is there's 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 a there's an explanation in why things look the certain way it is and why things are progressing the way it is you just got to you got to Put it on and go for a ride. It's it, a real roller coaster. It, it sounds perfect for Nick Cage. It, it Who is. else to lead the ship than Nick Cage on this one? Then? Absolutely. Uh, Nick Cage. Uh, the Nick Cage. Oh, yeah, that's that's what I put here in my notes. The Nick Cage energy of this film <laughs> is great. Nick Cage himself is not the best. <laughs> this film almost captures what Nick Cage is about. Unfortunately, I do think his performance lands more in the side of Nick Cage getting a check. Uh, there is 
not the level of care that we see in a Mandy, uh, in uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know any other kind of Nick Cage. He film. came out with another one this year called Pig, right? Which we should watch Absolutely. because I believe he's got chops in that. When you do five films a year, mm-hmm. I guess you can only put love into one or two of them. Uh, and, which was not this one, as which like. as much back taxes as he has to pay. You know, <laughs> he's got to get those checks. And I'm not looking to. You know, clearly this film is insane and a wonderful experience to to watch. Is it a wonderful? You would claim it as a wonderful experience. <laughs> it's wild. Can they put that on the top of, on front of the DVD, <laughs> right. Vincent Daly? A wonderful experience. Yeah. I think I think that's I, I would gladly donate my my words to that. It is. I have no idea how you're gonna rate this. Uh, it's because the first time you're saying this is one of it's so bad it's good, and you just said it's a wonderful experience. It's I can't tough because it's, it's a really bad movie, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also insanely good. Because the movie poster looks sick. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be a great anime, live action anime. Like <laughs> right, said. right. Does a bad job with it though. And, and let me maybe. Uh, uh, unpack that a little bit with the with the live action anime it's it's live action an, the, the for all it's good and all it's bad it's live action anime a good side is visuals is character design there this movie moves at a a mile a minute when it comes to uh, how many characters and little bit roles are introduced almost everyone on screen you're looking at and you're like what is that person oh really what? yeah and that that's what i mean by live action anime it has that quality of that can only happen in animation that care is put into almost every little person and every sure. little inch of the screen where it's bad is just plainly in the writing um Oh, okay. This is, the the acting is outrageous. The script is, uh, I mean, insane. People, can we? We never do this. Should mm-hmm. I just read the tiny little blurb about this movie? Sure. And I don't think it's going to help us Listen, at all. I, I haven't read this, so I, I'm I'm curious. A as notorious well. criminal must break an evil curse in order to rescue an abducted girl who has mysteriously disappeared. Which sounds. <laughs> Relatively basic, but it's just it's, a wild ride. It is unlike anything else I've seen. It is absolutely insane. Let's 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 focus instead of just you know hyperbolic terms of insane and 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 whatnot. Let let's let's unpack this a little bit. I think the while the visuals are amazing, uh, a lot of care is put into color composition of scenes of design. There are really only two sets that the film focuses around, basically two towns uh, that the film bounces back and forth between. Uh, It definitely adds to some of the madness that you are wondering, how does this fantasy sci-fi world exist, how it exists? Uh, Unfortunately, the film, when it does explain it, there is nothing great about it, and that kind of makes me think it's more so just a budget thing there's uh, i was gonna say yeah i mean there's no budget to this film <laughs> right I mean, there can't it's be. Nothing. and i haven't seen anything from this japanese director he actually has a very long line of uh, oh he does huh? yeah uh he he's done a lot of work uh but this is his i believe his first film in english and and a western release as well both with nick cage and a, a large western cast um but with those with those excellent visuals, probably the biggest thing that lands this in a so bad, it's good, but also a bad film for that reason. Throughout the entire film, it is flirting with this idea that, oh, maybe there's something deeper to this plot. And maybe there's a reason why this is so crazy. <laughs> and maybe there's a reason why this world uh, is 
presented how it's presented and and why the style is how it is and it rides that line for such a long time that i was honestly on the edge of my seat and and and, and thinking of theories and how could this make sense oh. and then the film is just like nope it's just it is it is what it is <laughs> and and that's why it, it is still largely a a bad film it got you yeah totally fooled you exactly i think it could have been it could have escaped that that vortex of so bad it's good that circle and i think most most viewers are especially movie watchers today they're familiar with that type of concept sure sure uh, that it is kind of like a circle that it, you know the film can be so bad it makes a it makes a, a full circle to a huge, being good huge cult classics like that absolutely absolutely uh and you know this yeah, is I think one of them. <laughs> the the biggest the biggest disappointment of the film is that a few tweaks to the script, maybe a little bit out of Nick Cage, just a touch more out of the performance. Because <laughs> I feel like he's he's not fully Nick Cage either in this. It feels like Nick Cage is getting a check for this, which is a shame because there's so much craziness in the film. Yeah, it's right up his alley. Exactly. The direct to the point, the director should have just been like, hey. Yeah, go oh, for I it. I want the full Nick Cage experience on this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. It is. It is. Uh, it's like so. the one thing. It's like, okay, if the, if the movie's going to be batshit crazy. I know. We yeah. got the right guy. It's, but they, yeah. mute, they mute him almost, huh? A little bit. I, I think he mutes himself. I, obviously, I don't know what goes into the production of this, mm, yeah. you know. And maybe it's not even right for me to say Nick Cage is getting a check with this. But, uh, you know, hey, uh, it is. It, it's it's a shame this, because yeah, it, the movie has potential for being there. And it and it. it Almost, it almost becomes a, just a plain good movie with all its craziness. If it just had a few things changed about it, um, plainly involving the script, and sounds like a lot. Honestly, it sounds like script, <laughs> acting, and set are pretty large things of a movie. Yes, and, but uh, yeah, and just context to the to the set, really. Uh, context to the setting is is where it's where it's failing. But I, I, I'm a little bit all over the map. Uh, but it, again, it, it bottom line here, it it flirts with that concept to make the movie brilliant and at certain points it's giving you the answers that you want to hear and then the answers are just very plainly not the answers <laughs> you want to hear and it's like oh it's just this uh and and that and that's what really you know kind of falls short and, and lands it as a bad movie so we come to the rating here and i'm i'm really torn I, i'm just going to kind of speak frankly about this can uh, I, I can't even guess i don't know i'm think i'm feeling <laughs> <laughs> you might go ahead and give it like a 30, mid-30s of a 35 or 36. However, I'm feeling a teens coming on. I, the thing is, how do I communicate in, in our rating system that something is so bad it's good? I would almost want to create like a secondary badge or something like that. Okay. You know? uh, that, uh, you know, <laughs> it is you know still worth your time because I think uh, a mark of so bad it's good is that it is Ooh, worth your time as a, a fair, fun watch. Yeah, yeah, we're getting into weird areas of I don't even know what else you would you would you would pin that badge to what other film would would, would be in that category I, uh, yeah it, it would be tough but I think I think that's the difficulty in rating something like Mandy this. was actually somewhat of a if it, it's a little bit unknown Mandy but if people mm-hmm. have a chance go back and watch Mandy yes Nick Cage. super crazy film get yep. ready super mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. Uh, oddly weirdly grossly good mm-hmm. in a way. absolutely and yeah I think Mandy is is a much better film than this uh, if you're looking uh, right. for Nick Cage crazy and also a decent film to package with it. But, but with this, I don't know how we would put this in. We would have to start a whole new website and podcast. <laughs> 
well, we, I'm glad that we're we're working it out. It's and so bad you should see it. Yes, is what you're trying to say. But it is a very bad film. All right, what do we give time. it? I think for me, uh, I I have to I have to look at this critically in uh, what the film is about. Yes, the the big umbrella here is is this worth your time? Is this something that you should make time for, you know, to the to the point of what these ratings are about. And I'm glad I'm being challenged in these type of ways with films. You know, I, I've never had to think of you know, this structure and, and how I'm looking at films. So I, I think this was a, a wonderful challenge to look at. We're going to give Prisoners of the Ghostland a 20. Not so bad. Yeah. I, th- I figured it out, by the way. Okay. okay so 20. This is, a, this is a very, very bad movie. A 20 is not a good movie. No, no. However... Mm-hmm. If you are with a large group of friends mm-hmm. and you want to enjoy a film together, where there can be talking, mm-hmm. maybe conversations happening here or there, and you can just genuinely hate on something together in mm-hmm. a loving, wonderful way, mm-hmm. then there you go. Absolutely. It gets the friend bad movie watch <laughs> award in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And it's a must watch. Right. Yeah. I think maybe an alternative score for this is maybe like in the 60s somewhere. <laughs> But again, it, it really does, you know... Uh, it sucks. Yeah. It's a bad it, movie. It, again, it, what prevents it from there is there is opportunity in this film to be very creative in the script and the explanation of how insane this film is. It is just simply not there. Uh, you can theory craft all day long. It, it's not in the film. You know I mean? It would just be headcanon. Right, so. right. Hey, I can't wait to watch it. Um, <laughs> it is, <yeah. laughs> but, uh, okay, wow. Prisoners yeah. of the Ghostland it is at unreal. a 20%. Well, let's move on to a very well-known director now. We're going to uh, move on to Edgar Wright's The Sparks Brothers. Yes. So these uh, next two films, uh, The Sparks Brothers and Annette, are paired together intentionally because the for, for Annette, the duo of The Sparks Brothers, their band Sparks, uh, they both uh, wrote uh, Annette and did all the music for it, and Annette is a musical. I was planning on watching the Sparks Brothers documentary that Edgar Wright uh, directed for a long time. Edgar Wright is, and and you'll come to know this, folks, one of my absolute favorite directors. Uh, mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. the energy he puts into films, the energy and thought he puts into editing, uh, and just creative ways to present images on screen, just very simply is one of my favorite in the industry. So I this was on my radar regardless. And then I, I was interested in Annette. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But let's talk about the Sparks Brothers and what Edgar Wright does to tackle one of the longest-running duos in music history to great acclaim in some spaces, but also relatively unknown. Uh, I fell in the camp that I was uh, not knowing this, this glam rock of re- uh, legend of the band Sparks. They have... Contemporaries ranging from the Kinks to T-Rex to New Order to, uh, (laughs) I mean, just a a huge, huge line and has been producing music pretty much from the late 60s to today, uh, especially with productions in film now with Annette. Uh, They are uh, in, I believe, the... upper 20s in the amount of albums they've had. Wow. Uh, And I, I think... That's where this film wins as an actual documentary, as a rock doc, is that it is shining a light on a band that is worth a following, worth cult reverence, but 
uh, you know, a lot of us don't know. And I think that is what's most exciting about this film, that you watch a rock documentary, it's like, okay, let's let's dive into someone that I know that there's a big f- fan following around yeah, this. Yeah. This was a documentary first before being a rock doc because it was discovering something new. And I think a lot of audience members are going to find that because who knows Sparks? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Find it super. I bet it was incredibly engaging. Then, yes, uh, the editing uh, is once again as will be probably a blanket praise that I have with Edgar Wright is the most entertaining character on screen. Basically, the editing itself uh, is okay. the best part about it. Wow, uh, the type of visual comedy that he builds into. Uh, introductions of commentators on the Sparks Brothers story, the, the uh, classic documentary kind of interview segments. Sure, yeah. The type of editing done, the type of B-roll, the the sample footage that Edgar Wright is gathering to put context to the words of these interviews uh, for the documentary. It's the most entertaining part, and I, I really, you know, I was so happy to see that in a very different format of what Edgar Wright. I don't think he's done a documentary before. I could be wrong, but it was so great to see that he brought that same exact energy that you see in any of his other films. Uh, It's front and center. The editing is snappy. The visual comedy is on point. And while it may not be as sharp as other films, like maybe a a Shaun of the Dead or a Hot Fuzz, uh, it is there and front, you know, he he is in his DNA. This is an Eggerite film, 100%. Very cool, very Uh, cool. Yeah, and and as as really a a true fanboy, (laughs) I won't won't, uh, uh, mince words, I love Eggerite to death. it It was just so great to see for that reason. I think as a documentary, where this film kind of falls a little bit short for me is what I've been finding in in this criticism for documentaries that I've had to kind of engage in for uh, the daily ratings is that uh, to criticize a, a documentary, I need to look at what's being presented, what information is being presented, what kind of ebbs and flows happen throughout the film. I think... There's a little bit too much of good, good, good all the way through. There's not uh, plot points to engage you. Okay. Um, I think uh, what what is going to create a must-watch or a should-watch documentary for me, especially for the course of the ratings and folks at homes, it's going to be something that has the quality of good writing in general, speckled approach. It has good and bad. It has a sourness to it that that brings you in. I'm not saying that every documentary story has to have a... Uh, has to have a low point in its subject matter, but there has to be intrigue built into a you know halfway through point or three quarters point in the film to keep it going. Otherwise, it's just a it's just gushing over over the subject matter. Interesting. And at two hours and twenty minutes, <laughs> you don't want two hours and twenty minutes of just gushing. Two hours and twenty minutes has become my least favorite number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were feeling it absolutely because it was, it, there was no breaks in it was. It was just absolute consistency in. It's just fawning. it's a love letter it, through and through, uh, and, and and not that is necessarily a bad thing, but I see what you're saying of there needs to be a breakup of some of something. Yeah. something has to happen in that with what you're talking about, where you could change up 
feeling, your emotion a little bit at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I think there's there's a bit there. If the truth of the matter, especially with a documentary, is that there is no bad uh, to the well, story, it, then I mean, I'm not saying fabricate something that's not there, but there is parts that it hits on in this in this film. Well, how about look look at the documentary uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor"? Uh, right. Where you you're dealing with a character with almost no downsides. Right. How does that carry itself? I where, think with "Won't You Be My this Neighbor," is the, the Mister Rogers, um, yes, Mister Rogers documentary, and, and a documentary I love to death. You do, um, yeah, you do love it to death. I think where that where that speckledness comes in that film is that it it relates to Mister Rogers' uh, personal uh, dialogue that brings him down the the hardship of being. Uh, such a good character that people are looking for flaws in. The film touches on that. Uh, the film also touches on the challenges he has uh, in delivering the type of message and mission good. he has. Okay, with that. So and, th- and that's enough there to give the documentary to change things up a little bit that's exactly. going to keep you engaged instead exactly. of having two hours and 20 minutes of just same exact feeling and emotion. Exactly. And punching it. You got to have an ebb and flow. You got to have some sort of engagement that you can build back up to the highs. Uh, and obviously Edgar Wright is coming into this much like probably many directors when they dive into a rock documentary uh, in, in a point of love. I mean, he loves Sparks uh, and their music. Uh, so there's no problem with gushing over that but there needs to be a dynamic nature of it and this film especially when dealing with with rock and roll and specifically where where a, a long long like how many years did you say how many decades uh i, I literally since early or i'm sorry late 60s uh, yeah you're not going to tell me there's not a roller coaster that happens exactly and and the thing is uh i mean it's a documentary so it's not the like a spoiler or anything like that but there are moments in the film that they go through lulls in the band that they weren't releasing an album for many a year. It's brushed aside so quickly to get to more good, good, good. That uh, and that's what I mean you by feel like you're not getting a whole complete picture. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I mean by I'm not asking for history to be altered uh, in any sort of way. You know, if if something truly is 100% good all the time, fantastic. That's just what the documentary has to be to relay. But there was bad that could be crafted there to create intrigue, to create interest among the audience. Well, it also feels like, again, when you're watching a documentary this long about such a specific person or group or thing, Mm -hmm. you want the full picture. Mm Because now, now, after all that time spent watching this, you still don't feel like you know everything about these people or this band. Yeah, there is something obscured there. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like I can confidently say I know Sparks's, uh, <laughs> you know, their very artistic style, their, their creative process. Uh, and, if anything, it really does add to a potential homework that you can have for watching Annette, uh, which we'll get to in just a moment, because Annette's a, a wild, wild movie. But when it comes to... I think for the documentary itself, that's where this is falling short. And as much as I, just a moment ago, was gushing for Edgar Wright's style and and, and my love of his editing and, and his film craft, when I come to a rating for this film, I mean, unless you are obsessed with with glam rock with uh with rock documentaries in general i don't find this something that i need to rank in something that you have to make time for uh it is falling a bit short in uh it being certainly a good movie it is not a 
incredible movie that you have to, you know, stop everything to watch. Sure, of course. Uh, that is, of course, uh, if anyone out there uh, knows who Sparks are, they are uh, a, a very obscure band. And in that sense, uh, a final positive note of this is that it was a documentary in the best way that I knew damn near close to nothing about it. And... I was able to come away from it very informed. Quite a uh, lot, Sparks. yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, a long-running band uh, that I now respect quite a bit. So. Oh, fantastic. Bottom line, a, a well-needed spotlight on a <laughs> very, very <laughs> obscure band. And as we're leaning into this, if you're interested in rock documentaries, I think that is a positive mark here. If you are... Uh, How about if just in the mood for... If you sit down and say, I want, I'm in a documentary mood. I want to watch sure. a good documentary. Mm-hmm. You would you would recommend this. I think so. I think so. You don't have to be a fan of rock documentaries. You don't have to be a fan of just Sparks, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. And that comes most positively in, again, the presentation of Edgar Wright. Uh, what he has built as a right. film to relay this information to you truly well uh, done. is entertaining exactly very cool uh, uh, so uh, overall though I think um, uh, the only other positive aspect that I would want I would want to spotlight here is that it is again potentially good homework to walk into a net for uh, we will get to that in just a moment for now though we are going to be going ahead and giving the Sparks brothers a 67 67 very good very good and like you said when it comes to documentaries you know it's, it's, like I, I like I get in those moods where I just mm-hmm. sit down and I want to watch a documentary, man, sure. documentary mood. I'm gonna throw this on for sure. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, well, let's kind of go with that other pairing movie, like you talked about. It well newly released as well, mm-hmm. and it's Annette, directed by uh, French director Leos Carax. Yes, and I, I've never seen anything else from this director. Apparently, Holy Motors is a movie that is uh, something to see, something that's very out there. The good thing about this is that while the director certainly has uh, play into uh, a very a very interesting film, uh, this film is 100% in the DNA of Sparks uh, and the Sparks Brothers in how they create very artistic, very glam rock, very out there type of music and musical comedy specifically. Uh, Annette is 100% a musical, but it is a manic, hyper-magnified, psychological musical. And I'm putting time into this because if you are find yourself in the camp at home, folks, not into musicals at all, I would say this is probably a definite no-go. If you like watching interesting films that kind of challenge you artistically uh, and as well are into musicals, this is, again, something that is going to challenge your palate a little bit, but moves into much more something that you should probably make time for. There is nothing like I've seen in this film and almost from really yeah, it almost from the word almost from the the first parts of the film it's introduced in such a weird way that that sets a tone for a film that almost has no tone to itself. It is wild. The musical, to give, give you some context here, the musical Which I'm aspect. usually not a fan of musicals. Sure. I mean, I'm very anti, well, newer musicals, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this film is, is what a musical is, in that the emotions are built up to a certain, certain high, a certain intensity, and then that is relayed in music. However, the, the type of 
oddness that the Sparks Brothers have brought to the musical design. It is like these characters are having manic breakdowns in musical form. Uh, it is a hyper, hyper magnified. It's blown out to such a point. And believe me, I get that that in general is a musical that feelings are magnified to the point of song. This is magnified in a psychological way and is very odd for that reason. Okay, all right. Uh, it is a challenging film uh, to uh, to watch uh, for that reason in in that the Sparks Brothers are, are definitely writing and designing this music to trying to achieve some level of art. Uh, sure. There is, uh, a, you know, one hundred percent a creative vision here that they are trying to achieve. I just think more often than not, for someone like myself that can like pushing what I like in genres of film uh, and like challenging myself in the type of movies I'm watching, this I think ultimately does not hit. Uh, it is a bit too weird. It's too much. It's a bit too much. Uh, it, that that manic psychological. Uh, lens that are is put on these characters, it's almost ridiculous at times, and I don't think that that fits with the musical element of it. Uh, if I had to condense that thought, does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yes. It's a bit hard to talk about as well because yeah, it sounds like a weird movie. It sounds like an extremely weird musical. Extremely weird movie. We have two weird movies this <laughs> this week. Yeah. That, but it sounds uh, like this would be a confusing movie without the music. Without it being that performative musical, and it also sounds like it would be a weird musical without kind of the other weird externalities of it. You hit the nail on the head, and that's exactly why I say this Sparks Brothers documentary, though not connect- connected in any way besides Sparks as the as the the creative leads, um, it is kind of necessary homework for you to understand Sparks's very particular musical comedy that that is going to create an appreciation for this film. Uh, and even but even you um, did you watch the Sparks Brothers first? Uh, yes. So even you watching it first, it was still a challenge for you to watch. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, because I'm not like a Sparks fan, you know, per se. Well, yeah, I'm true. appreciating their music, yeah. but uh, this film is now they're given almost f- free creative reign on it. So uh, it is they're, they're writing and the music. It's a musical that they're making the music for. So it it, it is their DNA. To give it a little bit more specificity for for the audience at home, the type of elements. If you are a fan of Sparks, or maybe you're you're deciding on whether you should jump into a net after watching the Sparks Brothers documentary. It's specific related to repetition, uh, repetition of lines that you'll find in a lot of Sparks music, uh, huge choruses, a kind of a chaotic, manic feel. All of that is here. But this leads me to, again, uh, a point that I feel like I have been talking about almost every week. It becomes grading only because of the runtime. Two hours and 20 minutes. Oh, this crops yeah. up but again. And I'm left with saying, wow, would this be a little bit more palatable if it was condensed? If maybe the musical side of it was less repetitive because of how much is put in front of you? Uh, this runtime is what I think so is so important. So you knocked it movie. down back by 15 minutes. But here's the problem. So, what you're saying is the, the content is good, but it's just hitting you over the head repeatedly, and mm-hmm. so it gets old. Or is the content not that great and it's too long? Uh, I think the, the content can stand out as better. And I think more importantly, the content to their artistic vision. You know the, the the songs, the 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 very unique feel that this movie has psychologically. It could stand better if I'm not spent 
watching this film and watching songs come on the screen over and over again, trim the fat, it's going to hit better. It's like they're slowly trying to drive you crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a slow form of torture. Uh, it, I don't know. if That's a little rough. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it does but, slow you, slowly drive you a little crazy. It does. Because it, it's just so – is it weird visually? So it's visually yes. and repetition with sound as yes. well? Uh, there, there's uh, – the, the songs themselves, if you look at any of the song individually, you can uh, – Appreciate it musically for what they're going for. You can appreciate from a feel to the film. But when that song is played, which in itself the lyrics are a repeating line 30 times, when that song is played in four different sequences, that is fat. You know, that is what Absolutely. needs to be trimmed. So it needs to be trimmed dramatically. Exactly. Like two, so what, two hours and 21 minutes? Like, could it be an hour and 45? Uh, possibly. I mean, I, I I don't know if I would nitpick to that point, but... Well, it, how about, how important is this story line? It, like... Again, the story is like a... It's it's this it's this stage uh, that these, a psychological dialogue is given to these characters, and it, it is in the form of a musical. Uh, Adam Driver, uh, phenomenal in this. Uh, oh, this, good, good. Yeah. Okay. I'm a huge fan of Adam Driver. Yeah. This actually landed originally on my radar because I heard it was a romance film, and I was very positive on Marriage Story, so I was like, all right, I want to see him in more types of films. Boy, is this a <laughs> different type of movie. Uh, it is a wild, wild film. It is uh, it is challenging. It is artistically challenging. Uh, it's mob, maybe not the best example, but I I, I sounds... know you know it, Tom. Go ahead. This is this has holy mountain vibes in its weirdness. No, uh, it, it, not that weird. It has that vibe though in its in its goofy art artsiness to it. It it's not shying away from being a goofy film in a lot of ways. Okay. And, and again, that relates to the DNA of Sparks and their musical comedy that they have. But it's challenging in a similar way uh, to look at what's on screen and hear what's coming through. And Is it annoying to a point where it's just like it didn't need to be this crazy? I think I, I wasn't annoyed you by the film. threw me for Holy Mountain now because that movie is annoying. <laughs> right. That could be something we can revisit. That, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's a wild movie. But yeah, I, it, it really just – I think – Everything that the film does, it from my notes, I have it almost like six different times in different forms. It always relates to ba- back to why is this this long? You can convey the same type of feeling, the same type of spotlight on these psychological stories that you want to unpack with these characters musically. I, I don't think it needs to be this long to relay that. And if anything, it cheapens those musical moments. Uh, I don't think repetition in the songs helps us get a message or anything like that, especially when there is repetition within the songs themselves. Does right. that make sense? Uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, another, I mean, we are we are pushing the envelope of what the Daily Ratings is about and, and the existential questions <laughs> of what we're about, but it left me with the question and maybe something to unpack uh, in, in future podcasts and in future episodes. Uh, are we seeing movies being bloated because of streaming services? Uh, are we seeing, you know, almost the concept of creating, uh, Limitations breeding creative uh, solutions. Uh, are we seeing the limitations being lifted on that and movies getting messy and movies getting unruly? Uh, it's funny. Uh, it's a lot of this talk about films being too long because mm-hmm. it has been something that you've been commenting on. It's my my top thing. It's lately. reminded me of one person who reviews. I, I won't mention them, but I'm thinking of one film reviewer mm-hmm. who very much I noticed first had problems with it. Mm-hmm. 
and almost every single movie he watches, mm-hmm. he has a comment about, oh, this should be 10 minutes shorter, this should be 15 minutes shorter, this should be 20 minutes shorter. Yeah. It's always a thing, to the point where it's just like, it's like, oh, if he says it's 15 minutes too long, it's probably a perfect <laughs> right. length film, in my right. opinion. Uh, but I will say, it, it has. you've been noticing it more. I don't know if it's a thing with movies or yeah. a thing of maybe we're watching more as well. That's true. My, the volume has increased uh, quite a bit. Or you are looking at it more and more with a critical eye. You know, when we really, even before we started the podcast and the website, when we really started cataloging these films mm-hmm. and you're watching with a critical eye, also could have something to do with it as well. Yeah. But it's interesting because I'm noticing more and more because it's not just you and this other person. Mm-hmm. It's starting to become a theme. And even when I so personally me, I love longer films. Mm-hmm. I've been getting annoyed lately. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, it, it doesn't come from a point of just needless criticism. It really kind of comes from a point of loving movies and and maybe even wanting to like a movie a lot more if it just was less filler, more killer. I, I want it to be trimmed uh, because of a result of being more of the content that is good with the film. You know what I mean? There's... Right, and if a film has a certain purpose, there's a respectable amount of time that you should give it. Mm-hmm. And when you overdo it, you're now taking away from it mm-hmm. instead of adding to it. You mm-hmm. want to add enough to it where it's complete. And like you said, that's where when you start to put on fat and mm-hmm. filler, uh, you take what what could be perfect and destroy it, essentially. Absolutely. You, you soil it. which It's uh, a sweet spot. There's a sweet spot yeah. that every film has mm-hmm. or should have. And the question is, do you meet it or not? I think for, for whatever reason, lately, we've been finding that... The, the sweet spot of where these films should be or this is just not the case yeah and definitely led me to that overarching question what is the nature of what we're looking at what you know what is the creative trend in films this is an amazon release uh for it's free on prime yep so it's a direct to to streaming service are we seeing in theaters as well though too oh really yep oh okay i didn't know that are we seeing maybe some of the creative limitations being lifted and as a result of that instead of filmmakers being forced to make uh, it, it, uh, forced to have ingenuity in their decisions of what to cut, what is the what is what is the the point or the meat of the film? Are we seeing them grow kind of unruly? Uh, but something to explore. And, and again, I, I have to stick up for it a bit because if the storytelling is good, then I don't mind it. I like a story sure. being told and take as long as take me on a journey. I don't mm-hmm. care. Take mm-hmm. me out of real life and put me in this. And and, and you know, if it's worth it, it's worth it. I think I'm one of the few people, as far as all the people I talk to when it comes to the movie that we referenced earlier, which Mm. is um, The Irishman, Mm. uh, I enjoyed the length of it. Right. When almost everyone else I talked to hated the length (laughs) of it. (laughs) Right, right. So it's just how you look at it. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think it's how much you enjoy it, and I uh, that's that's probably a good segue back into Annette. You know, for. You know, if if you really are entranced, and that that's probably the best word I can give to the the type of uh, mania that is spawned from the music in this film, uh, if you are entranced by it uh, and entranced by the performances uh, on screen, then I think maybe that two hour and twenty uh, is is more palatable. But I think either way, uh, the film is designed to be artistically challenging, uh, and I got to give it some props for that overall. 
it didn't hit for me though. Uh, I, I I really want to give it the respect that it's it's owed. Uh, certainly, Sparks did a very very interesting job with the type of musical design here. It is absolutely in their DNA of musical comedy, and so I have to respect that they're trying to achieve art here. Uh, but uh, the aspects and it is art, no matter the what we look at sure. it. The question is, is it good art or not? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but I, I think for the course of the the aspects of what this film is, uh, I think I have to understand practically, uh, even if I am a huge theater geek and, and I, I, I love musicals, that's not for everyone. So that's a barrier here. And when it comes to, uh, even if you're into musicals, where where this film lands, and I still think it is it is it's a very challenging it's still film. Buckle up, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and you'll see that. I mean, I, if if you're at all interested in, in what I'm talking about, if these are more positive uh, aspects for you, put the movie on for a second. There's almost a mission statement that happens within the first five minutes of of a narration, and really does set the tone more than I understood walking in thinking this was a romance film <laughs> <laughs> that I was going to see like a marriage story type of thing. <laughs> nope, <laughs> definitely not. It is out there. So, but yeah, it, it's all you know. Th- there's aspects to love. It's just very much wrapped up in a very odd shaped pill to swallow, like a star shaped pill to swallow. Uh, does that hit for you? I think that that is really up to kind of a personal accounting of what type of movie you're able to tolerate and how much you want to challenge yourself as a watcher. For me, I think it unfortunately lands on a didn't hit side. So bottom line, we're going to go ahead and give Annette a 47. 47, okay. I was kind of expecting maybe uh, you were actually going to give it a little bit lower, but all right, it's just one of those. It's out there. Interesting. I yeah. maybe I might throw it on for like fifteen minutes because I want to see how crazy it could be. How the music itself is good too. It's just again, it's it's challenging. It's a challenging film to watch. Okay, maybe I don't like that. <laughs> maybe forty-seven is where it's at then. Okay, a very interesting week. You, uh, yeah, I a, I was really slew, yeah some interesting movies here and, and, and not to push mention the boundary and unintended too. Uh, this was this was I great. Actually, I like the cornucopia directors we have actually too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very interesting kind of list that we have. So, mm-hmm. so no, I love that you watched these this week. Is there anything else like to add, Vin? Uh, roll credits. No, I think that's good to go. I've talked enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks for stopping by, Vin. And thank you all for stopping by. We'll run them down one more time. We have A Promising Young Woman at 41%, No Sudden Move at 79%, Prisoners of the Ghostland with 20%, The Sparks Brothers with 67%, and Annette with 47%. We thank you so much, everybody, for stopping by. We'll see you next week. Bye. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value that you feel you received from us. You'll get a producer mention on the next podcast episode, too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.
on the Daily Ratings Podcast. <laughs>